Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. We've been doing a, a teaching the last couple weeks on divine prosperity. You know, when we were coming in this morning, I, we were talking about the, the horrors of the shooting and what's going on in our schools and what's going on in our nation. And I said, here, we're going to have to come out and address this. And then I go into prosperity. And Tiz, she's always the wisest one in the car when her and I are driving together. And uh, she said, we have to have prosperity. Because there's a golden rule. He who has the gold rules. And the Bible says in the last days, the wealth of the wicked is going to get put in the hands of the righteous. Amen. And so this is a great time to talk about biblical prosperity. Now, we know that Malachi 3 says, return unto me and I'll return unto you. Their, answer, their, their question was, how do we return? We know that God says, in your tithes and in your offerings. And just, I, I just got to throw this out, because every time you teach this, uh, or you say tithes and offerings, somebody says, well, all the preacher wants is your money. Well, I want to declare here that only three times a year, unless there's something special, do we even take an offering. Our people are trained that God is Jehovah Jireh, not the world. And so when people leave and they give their offering, our offerings have never gone down because we teach God is not trying to get something from you. God is trying to get something to you because he is Jehovah Jireh. So three times a year, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, we come before the Lord and we bring a special offering. Each one of these offerings, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, they produce a certain multiplication of a miracle. On Pentecost, which is in three weeks, or Shavuot, which is called in Hebrew, on that day, God releases two main blessings greater than any other time of the year. He releases divine wisdom, and the Pentecost offering is divine prosperity. And what I'm going to show you today and continue to show you is how divine wisdom and divine prosperity are synonymous. They go hand in hand. Look with me in John chapter 16, where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit coming, and he tells them, this is essential for you to have. I still have many things to say to you. Now, I want you to understand this. Everything we read in the, in the Bible, the New Testament, is not all the wisdom of God. In the last days, the Bible prophesies, and I love this, that he will open the eyes of the Gentiles and he will teach them and show them things. Look at what Jesus said. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You're, you're, you're still babes. We need to go from milk into meat. Read the rest of it. However, when he, the spirit of all truth, and I love that God says when he, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God. It's a a, a being, a he. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truths, for he will not speak on his own authority, 
but whatever he hears from God, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. The last thing that Jesus said, as we look at Leviticus 23, the last thing that Jesus said to the disciples are, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just so that we speak in tongues or we shandala bippi or we fall down under the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, and to show us things that are about to happen because he wants us to know these things before the rest of the world knows them. Look at this. However, Leviticus 23 And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you have brought the sheath of the wave offering, you shall count seven Sabbaths shall be completed. From the day of Passover, God said, when you bring your Passover offering, count seven weeks, 49 days plus one day, which is where we get the 50 days, the name Pentecost. But God says, and this is so important, He says, I want you to count for yourself. Now, without getting into a whole lot of detail on this, Israel was coming out of slavery. They they didn't eat unless Egypt fed them. They didn't live unless Egypt gave them a place to live. They didn't do anything. Everything was the government. But when they're coming out, God says, I want you to count for yourselves and i love the jewish teaching on it we're not counting down like 10 9 8 we're counting up and the reason you're counting up is that you are to in the next 50 days come to the realization that we are not slaves to egypt that egypt or washington dc or the government, or whoever, they are not Jehovah Jireh. We need to come from the slave mentality into realizing we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And no matter what we see going on in Egypt, no matter what we see going on in the government, we know that we are not dependent of them. We are children of God, and God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Amen? So when it comes to living your life, when it comes to voting, you cannot make those decisions saying, boy, if I vote this way, then the government is going to eke me out some leeks and garlic. If you serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills the earth is his and the fullness thereof the silver and the gold belong to him and we are his heirs and it's our father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom amen Amen? you got to think that way now we went over the last couple weeks a couple and i'll just hit on these real quick we went over the last couple weeks a few of the arguments when i got saved i was taught that it's not godly to want to live in a nice house in fact we were taught never to buy a house we were taught to rent because if you're buying a house or you're buying a nice car or if you desire those things that's because you're worldly and not heavenly minded the bible says god gives us the desires of our heart 
Am I right? Can I tell you how that reads? We, 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 we've, I've heard it, and I was taught to teach this, that if you desire something in your heart that is of this world, you're not godly. But when you break it down the way it really says is that God gives you the desires of your heart. Let me explain that to you. How many of you ladies would like to wear jewelry that doesn't turn your wrist and neck green? It's God who gave you that desire. Oh, I'm going over here. How many of you ladies would like to go on a vacation where tents and porta potties are nowhere to be seen? It's God who gave you that desire. How many of you guys would like to drive a nice car where its color is not bondo? It's God who gives you the desires of your heart. Now, I, I'm, I'm being carnal, but I'm being carnal on purpose. How many of you like to own your own home? Remember what it says in Deuteronomy? He says, when you build beautiful houses and you live in them. When you build beautiful houses and who lives in them? You live in them. But see, when you, when you begin to pray for that, Lord, oh, we'd like to have a nice house. We'd like to have a nice car. Immediately, the devil will come in and say, that's evil desire. But you've got to understand the way it reads. When you desire those things as a child of God, it's God who has put those desires in your, in your heart. And then when you pray, you're not double-minded. You know that it's the Father's good pleasure to do this. We went over about Jesus being poor. Jesus never was poor. That's a false teaching. That's a false religious teaching. You know what cults do? The way cults control somebody is they make them afraid and they make them poor where you have to depend on the leaders of that cult. That's whether it's a religion or whether it's a government, they want you to depend on them but we don't depend on them, we depend on him because he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. The other thing we went over is, well, if I have more, there's not enough to go around. Now, I shared you all the numbers of how many trillions and dollars there are in the world, but listen to this, you know, eat your food. There's people starving in India. You know, I don't know, I don't know how me eating that Brussels sprouts will feed people in India, but we're eat that food. There's people starving in India. And you know what? There are people starving in India. And Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. Can I tell you why? The poor, because they're not taught biblical finances in India. You know, I've been, I've preached in India and boy, I, I love preaching in, I love the Indian people. But in India, we, 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 you have to go around the cows. There's so many cows in the streets because those cows are holy cows. I'll wait. If the people in India would stop feeding the cows there would be enough grain to feed 1,400,000,000 people a year. They could make, they could make bread for enough for 1,400,000,000 people. They could make bread. 
And then if they ate the cows, they could have a hamburger. There's no lack of money. It's not like, like Jesus goes, all right, you, you, want a, you want a $10 an hour raise? Yeah, I don't know, no, no. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and the gold and the silver are his. Amen? All right, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 3. I want to show you something. I want to show you about a prophecy in the last days, right before the coming of the Messiah, of God returning us to paradise. Look at Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil, and to know less, and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And so he drove out the man, and he placed a cherubim, an angel, at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword, which turned every which way to guard the way, not from, but to the tree of life. Now, there are several things in there I want you to see. And this is a, this is a very strong prophecy amongst Judaism is that in the last days, we will see the light and we will be drawn back to the Garden of Eden. Now, I want you to understand that anytime today we're talking about a fiery flame from God, it always represents divine wisdom. Now, the Bible says he put them out and he drove them out. We know that in ancient Jewish wisdom, whenever you see something being repeated, God is not just being redundant. He's, gonna, he's, he's doing that to say, look what follows. I'm about to show you a secret. It, it, the, Bible, the Bible is, uh, let me just go off the side a little bit. The Bible is the living word of God, okay? It's a, bio, it's a word that the more you study, the more you listen, the more revelation you get out of the same scripture. The Bible is, and I don't want to get too heavy on you, the Bible is a book of mysteries. It's a book of hidden codes that the more you receive, the more God will show you. Give, give, give me an example. What happened, what happened in 1948? Israel became a nation, right? But they knew something like this was about to happen because 1948, and I'm just giving this as an illustration to let you know that there's levels of, of, of there, there's the milk on down to the mystery. Okay, 1948, on the Hebrew calendar was the year 5,708, right? If you look at the 5,708th verse in the Bible, it's the scripture that says, I'm bringing you back to the land of your fathers. And you will prosper in every way, more than your fathers. 
So the reason, only reason I bring that out is that when you look at numbers and you look at scripture, how many understand that the Bible says the word to study to approve ourselves worthy, rightly dividing the word of God. Okay, so the original Torah had no periods and capitals and, and punctuation. It was just continual words. And the deeper you got in study, the wiser you got, you would begin to see things that you never saw before. I, I, I don't have this in my notes, but I was just thinking, you know, you go down to the beach and it says swimming. Uh, how does it go? Swimming? Oh, private beach. No, swimming allowed. Okay, so you look at that and you go, oh, it's private beach, no swimming allowed. But somebody else with deeper reason looks at that and says, private beach, no, swimming allowed. <laughs> That's the way the Bible is. God will let you see the milk of the word, but if you stay hungry, and this is why we teach what we teach here, we go deeper. In the last days, we'll see revelations that will bring the prosperity and the signs and the wonders and the miracles and deliverance. So the Lord says that he put an angel, can you bring up uh, paradise? We read that he brings an angel with a flaming sword. A, a, A fire always represents what? divine wisdom and he'll show the way back to now our english translation says eden but the original translation is back to paradise when adam and eve were in paradise he everything they put their hands to it caused to prosper the hebrew word for paradise is the word parties p-a-r-d-e-s can we have that up here parties Okay, so in Hebrew, the, the word for that we have garden is the Hebrew word paradise. But in Hebrew, there are no vowels. So you remove the vowels. The reason vowels are in Hebrew letters is so that it helps us pronounce them that don't know how to read Hebrew. And so you remove the vowels and you get P-R-D-S. Now remember, he said, in the last days, I will shine the wisdom of God to show you and I the way back to paradise. The word parties is P-R-D-S, and that's made up of the Jewish understanding of divine wisdom, which is Peshat, Remus, Drash, and Sod. Peshat is the milk. It's the surface. It's where we belong, but where we begin. But most Christians just know the milk. That's all they know. And the milk is good. You know, when you're first born, that's all you drink is milk. But you know what? If you're 55 years old and you're drinking milk still, either you haven't grown up or you've already lost your teeth. (laughs) So we have Peshat, which is the milk. We have Remus, which is like the, the parables. We have Drosh, which is like... We, oh, this scripture connected, this scripture reveals something. And then we get down to sowed, which is in the last days, the eyes of the Gentiles will be open and we'll begin to understand the mystical understandings of the word of God. The secrets that are hidden there. And why is that important? Jesus tells us. He does not say the truth will set you free. He says the truth that you understand, the truth that you own, those truths will end up setting you free. So we, we want to look at 
a mystery in the Word of God about prosperity and divine wisdom. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, 11 and 12, he was preaching in the wilderness, and as they came, he says these words. He said, I baptize with water under repentance, but there is one who is coming after me that I'm not wor- even worthy of to, to, to clean his shoes, but he will, now listen to the words, because we hear it and we say it, but we miss it. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and now listen, there's no wasted words. He will come. Jesus has been crucified. He's about to be caught up to sit on the right hand of the Father. And they say to him, Lord, when you restore your kingdom, Jesus said, that's not what's important. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive what I told you to receive. And that receiving of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the Holy Spirit is representative of the power of God, signs and wonders and miracles, and they're going to do nothing but increase. I'm telling you, the power of God, the healings of God, the miracles of God, what, what God did for Tiz, what God did for Lion, what God did for Nancy, what God did for me is going to become regular, everyday stuff in the church. It won't even be unusual. Right? Everybody say power. But along with the power is the fire, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, and the fire. And the fire always represents the divine wisdom of God. Now watch this. On the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and on their heads were tongues or crowns of fire. Now, there is a reason why God shows us that when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, there were Jews from all over the world there. Why? They were coming to bring their Pentecost, their Shavuot offering. You remember last week, I think I said, Paul said, I've got to get, he's, he skipped Ephesus. He said, I've got to get Jerusalem to be there on the day of the Pentecost. Why? Because on the day of Pentecost, God refilled them with with power and God release on the day of Pentecost the finances that you and I are going to need to be blessed and be a blessing for the whole rest of the year. So on that day, the sign of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was not just they began to speak in other tongues, a supernatural presence, but the tongues of fire. And every Jew knows that fire meant the, the wisdom, divine wisdom of Almighty God. When we, on, on Shabbat, when we pray and we say, Make our, may our sons be like Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim meant spiritual power. Uh, Manasseh meant financial power, spiritual wisdom, financial wisdom. This is a sign when they saw the tongues of the fire, they realized that not only these men were going to move in the power of God, but they were going to receive divine wisdom. Now, let me show you something. If you were to look at a picture of the ancient holy temple, 
In the ancient holy temple, you always had the Holy of Holies, obvious. Some of you will be in Israel with us next week. We will take you to the Western Wall. They've discovered a tunnel, and you'll be as close to the Holy of Holies as anyone has been in 2,000 years. It is right on the other side of that wall where the Holy of Holies was. But before the Holy of Holies, where God released the power, the supernatural, there was the menorah. Every, everyone knows, and, and you'll see in Israel, a, now the menorah's gone. The mor- menorah was stole by the Roman Empire. It, they even got a, a, uh, a Titus's arch in Rome that shows them stealing the menorah and the table of showbread. But watch this. The menorah was there because it was to represent God's divine wisdom on earth. But the menorah was told, the builders of the temple said, the menorah must shine on the table of showbread. The table of showbread represent divine prosperity. On the table of showbread, there were 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, God was saying, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, if you're one of my children, it is my plan to bring to you supernatural divine wealth. Now, the church does, most of the church doesn't know this, but that everybody knows the table of showbread, but most people don't know what the table of showbread is. But the table of showbread was there to let the children of Israel know that no matter who you are, you're white, you're black, you're brown, you're male, you're female, you're young, you're old, you're from here, you're from there. It doesn't matter. The wealth of God who owns the whole earth is there for the blessing of my children. Now, let me be carnal. Who made gold? God made gold. Did he make it for the sinner or did he make it for his children? Who made wealth? Who made blessings? Who made all these things? God did. In seven days, everything God made, he said, was good. The last thing he says was up the river Pishon is where the gold is, and the gold is good. I know I harp on that, but we have got to kill that old demonic religious spirit that says, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want much, much in this world. I just want, I just want, well, you know, when we go to heaven, you better get ready because we're walking on streets of gold. God has a mansion there for us, and this is just practice to get there. Somebody's going to get blessed this year. It might as well be you. So here you have, orchestrated by God Almighty, Here you have the table of showbread, which represents divine prosperity on every one of his children. But he said, when you light the menorah, and I love the way ancient Jewish wisdom said, why did God want us to light the menorah? Not because he needed wisdom. He is wisdom. But he knew that we need the wisdom, and the menorah, the fire of God representing divine wisdom, was to shine on the table of showbread. Why? So that when we live in beautiful houses, and our herds are growing, and our flocks are growing, and our businesses are growing, and our paycheck is growing, we make sure to give him all the praise and all the glory, because it is he who is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. 
Let me take you one more step. Rabbi Lappin, who's one of the greatest scholars in the world, he's been here many, many times, been a friend of ours for 30 years. Can I, I get some water, Derek, please? Been, been a friend of ours. He, he is one of the wisest Bible scholars, wisest biblical scholars you'll meet. Listen to what Rabbi Lappin wrote in his book, Thou Shall Prosper. Money is holy. And the holidays that we celebrate are always linked to holy money. Now, this is not a preacher. This is the rabbi. Now, listen to what he says here. He says, take the Hanukkah lighting of candles. And he said, when you look at the teaching and you look at the tradition in which Jewish people do, you see the holiness of money. On Hanukkah, we don't light seven candles. We light eight, which represents a new beginning. Seven was in the temple. Eight on Hanukkah represents a new beginning. But the Hanukkah candles are to be lit in a fully lit room. You know, when you light Shabbat candles or when you light, light Passover candles or whatever, it's, it's, it's a great atmosphere to have it dark and the candles really stand out. But on Hanukkah, we're instructed have have all the lights on and the reason is is that your children will ask you why are we lighting candles when we have all the lights on and we can see everything and it's to teach a very spiritual lesson during the time of hanukkah for eight days you light one then the next day you light two and the next day three until the eighth day they're all lit and is symbolic of the wisdom of God should be growing in you. All right, but watch this. There's another tradition. The Bible says, train your children up in the ways that they should go. And when they're old, they won't forget it. They won't go, go from it. And that's a financial scripture. So during the time that you're lighting the Hanukkah candles, you give your children a gift. Now, like I said, there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible that the church has tried to steal and make them ours and take the mystical meaning out of them. Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. Okay. Now we still celebrate Christmas. It's okay. He's, he's still babe in the manger. Don't lose your faith. But if you look at the Bible shows when Jesus was born, why do we celebrate it on Christmas? What are we doing during Christmas? We light all of our houses up. We light a tree up. We light our windows up. We do. I, I was several years ago when we first came to Dallas, I was asked to come and teach in a synagogue. And the, the rabbi called me and he said, I don't know if we'll get five people to come out, but I'd like you to come out and share why you're teaching the Jewish roots of Christianity. We got to the synagogue and it was standing room only. The rabbi leaned over me and says, I can't get this many out on Yom Kippur. <laughs> but it happened to be during the time of Hanukkah. And so him not knowing me very well, he leans over and they came up and they lit the Hanukkah candles. Uh, I think it was number three or something. And he leans and he's explaining to me what they're doing. So when I got up and he introduced me and I got up to here's a place full of Jewish people, a few Christians. And I said, how many of you today before you came lit your Hanukkah candles? And they all raised their hand. I said, do you know where Hanukkah is mentioned in the Bible? 
And they all look at each other. I said, the only place Hanukkah is mentioned is Jesus talking about the Festival of Lights. That's where we got lighting our houses up and lighting our trees up and giving our children presents. This comes from the revelation that we've missed in Hanukkah. So you light the Hanukkah candles. Remember, the flame represents the wisdom of God in your soul. So every day you're saying to your children, the wisdom that you had of God yesterday should grow tomorrow. And each day you give your children money. Now we give our children presents, bicycles and toys, and that's great. In my case, uh, my mom always gave me socks and underwear. <laughs> Even when I went away to college, mom wrote my name in my underwear. It was the most embarrassing thing you ever saw. But you give your children money. But let's say you have four children. You don't give every one of your children the same amount. And they'll go, how come I didn't get what, what Simon got? And the th- answer is that your wisdom of God is directly connected to how much finances you receive. But then it's also connected how much wisdom of God you receive and how much light you have put this year out onto others. Think about this. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you, right? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Shall I cause this to be put into your bosom? Not everybody in the body of Christ gets the same amount, but it is conditional on God watching how much light we have received and we are the light of the world. See, you got to understand when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, he's talking to Jews who understood this principle. You're the light of the world. You know, I was just reading in Ethics of the Father yesterday, a great Jewish volume, and he said, if you receive light from God's word and you don't share it with others, you're guilty as if you never received it. And so the reward, the financial reward, is directly connected with how much light God gives us and how much light we give back to others in being a blessing. Give and it shall be given unto you. That I know I know the, the church has stolen that and the church has done all kinds of things like the you know as a gimmick, but this is where this comes from. Matter of fact, the word Hanukkah comes from the root Jewish word meaning education or wisdom. And so the light of God, so on the day of Pentecost, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, every Jew saw the light of God hanging over their heads. Think about this as a Jew. Solomon said the tongues, uh, speaking of the tongues of fire, he said the crown of the wise, think about the tongues of fire, the crown of the wise is their wealth. In other words, the more wisdom we have of God and we use that wisdom to help other people, the more God will put into our lives. Oh, somebody say amen. God put him out of the garden and he placed him out of the garden. And he says, now the next thing I'm going to show you is a secret. And he put an angel with a fire of wisdom of God 
turning every way, turning every way, turning every way to show them the way to the tree of life, back to paradise. Have you ever wondered, have you ever asked yourself, what's the tree of life? Have you ever asked yourself that? What, the tree of life, that's a pretty important thing, right? What is it? I can tell you or I can read it to you. Let me show you. The last days, the wisdom of God will bring us to the tree of life. Let me, let me just show it. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. He drove them out. He placed them out. And every Jew understands that God is about to show us a mystery. Now, the reason I was going to just share it, but instead of reading it, it, but God says it much better than I do. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my law. Now, the word law in Hebrew means the path. doesn't mean legalism. It means the path to guide. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add up to you. Now, look at me a second. How many want to live long? How many want to live good? How many want to have peace? It's all found in the pathway. Now, you're going to see something. Remember, we're talking about the tree of life. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Now, look at me. When you understand the wisdom of God, God will give you, and I pray with people all the time, and I know they don't understand. They're praying for a job. I said, God, give them favor with God and favor with man. Why do we say that? Why favor with God and favor with man? God will lead you to where to get that job, but he'll give whoever you're talking to your favor in that person's sight. Oh, come on. Do you get it? God's not at that desk waiting to hire you. Or show you where to invest your money. But God will lead you and guide you. You'll be driving down the street and the wisdom of God will come and say, there's the place. Buy that land. Invest in this stock. Whatever it is, God will speak to you. And then he'll go, and even if the person's a sinner, he'll give you favor with that man. Amen. Amen. I'm one, I was one, let me t- can I tell you a quick story? When I first got saved and Tiz and I first got married, we lived in Flagstaff, Arizona. And in Flagstaff, it can snow six, seven feet. And so come wintertime, I was working construction, come wintertime, everything shuts down. So I remember we had this man who became my, my he discipled me. He's an amazing evangelist. We had him in, and so we were at morning prayer at the church, and we went out to breakfast, and they were talking. He said, you're not working? I said, no, they just laid us off, uh, you know, two feet of snow and everything. He said, where's the best job in town? And I said, well, the best job in town, you know, for somebody that, that, that wasn't a doctor or a nurse, I said, it's working for ONC truck lines. He said, that's it. Go get that job. I said, I already, I've gone down there six or seven times. He goes, no, that's the job. Go get it. And I said, okay. And I, my eggs came. He goes, go get it. 
I said, right now? He goes, right now. Go get it right now. So I left my eggs and my bacon because I wasn't eating kosher then. And I went down and walked into, the, it's a ONC trucking lines. I didn't know how to drive a truck. And I walked in and the, and the, the, the secretary sees me and she goes, she goes, I told you, I, I said, we're not hiring right now. She said, look at this. Here's a stack of applications. All these guys know how to drive semis. Larry, you don't even know how to drive. There's no job for you. I said, listen, I'll work two weeks free to show you that I'm the best worker you have ever had. I will work all night long. I'll load those trucks. She goes, I don't have a job for you. So I said, okay. I walked out and I started walking down the steps to get into my piece of junk car. And all of a sudden the door flies open and this man goes, hey, will you work as hard as you said you would? I said, I work harder than that. He said, well, I'm the district manager of California and New Mexico and Arizona and Nevada. I'm just here today. I was in the office. I heard you. You're hired. Start Monday. Look at me. Look at me. Favor with God and favor with man. Somebody say, I'm next. Look what it says. Look what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Well, I just don't know how it will work for me. I don't know how a gold coin came out of a fish's mouth, but when God tells me to go fishing, I'm going fishing. I don't know how water comes out of a rock, but if God says smoke the rock, I'm smoking the rock. I don't know how, how manna falls from heaven, but in the morning I'm getting up and going getting my manna. I don't know how God opens blind eyes, but I'm telling you, we're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Somebody shout amen. Do not lean on your own understanding. Look at this. Look at this. It's it's amazing. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. There's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need a new job. Tell me what to do. Lord, I need a race. Tell me where to go. Lord, I need this. I need that. Acknowledge him. Ask him, and he will lead you and guide you. It's more than it's the receiving of the power and the divine wisdom of Almighty God. He will direct your paths. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own understandings. Fear the Lord reverence him and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Well, what, well, I, you know, God made, God made me this way or God made me that way. You know what? When I got saved, I was full of drugs and I got saved. I was full of uh, violence. I could have said God made me that way, but I decided not to follow my way. I decided to follow his way. And sometimes he just says, do what I tell you to do. Listen, it's safer to ride in the boat. Most everybody talks about Peter. Do you realize why Jesus loved Peter so much? Peter was always doing what he told them to do. Everybody's riding in the boat. Well, it's safe in here. Jesus said, Peter, come. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. If it's you, lead me, guide me. And everybody else sat in the boat. But Peter come walking on water. And I've heard too many messages about Peter sinking because he got out of the boat. The message is not about Peter sinking because he got out of the boat. The message is Peter began to sink because he put his eyes on the storm and got him off of Jesus. But the moment he cried out to Jesus, he's a water walker again. 
Listen, you can go through your life as a Christian of being a boat rider, but God would rather have you be a water walker. It's a little scarier, but oh man, when you walk on water. Look what it says here. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. How many believe you're going to heaven? Do you believe in giving God your tithe? You're trusting God to get you to heaven. You're trusting that by receiving something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago, God is going to forgive us of our sin and we will make heaven our home. So many people trust that someday we'll be in heaven, which we've never seen, but they don't trust God to give the Lord a tenth and our offering besides, and he'll open the windows of heaven. It's the same God. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruit of all your increase. Say all your increase. increase. How many, if you were a millionaire, you would tithe? If God made you a millionaire, would you tithe? That's $100,000. Would you write a check for $100,000? Would you write a check for $100,000? Oh, you went from ministering to meddling there, Pastor. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with your first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Barns is the, with plenty is the material substance. Your vats overflowing with new wine is a constant fresh anointing. That every place we put the sole of our feet, everything we put our hands to, God will cause it to prosper. Material possessions and the anointing of God are synonymous. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his corrections. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now look at this next verse. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. How many want to be happy? That's why I teach, I don't teach milk here. Milk is for babies. The milk is you need to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's, that, that'll keep you alive. But happy is the man who finds divine wisdom. Look at this. It gets even better. And the man who gains understanding. For in wisdom and understanding, her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain more than gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you desire cannot be compared to her. Now, when I first got saved, they lived on this scripture. She said, all you got to need is the wisdom and divine wisdom and knowledge of God. It's more precious than silver, more precious than gold, more precious than rubies. Yeah, and that's what it says. But finish the rest of it. Look what it says here. Length of days are in her right hand, and in her left are riches and honor. So when we get the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God, he'll not only give us long days, but he'll give us good days. Riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is like a tree of life to whom may take hold of her, and happy are those who retain her. Look at me. Where do we start on this? And we're ending right now. Where do we start on this? What's the tree of life? What's the tree of life? 
the Word of God. And the wisdom to understand the Word of God. Yes, we can start at Peshat, and we can go to Dremus, Dremus, Drash, and Sod. But God wants us in these last days to understand the mysteries and the, the things of God. When we, when we went on one of our tours to Israel, we were there on the day of Pentecost. And we wanted to do film something down at, the, down at the temple steps where Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And we thought, how are we going to get in there? we got to get there early. Man, it's going to be packed out. Nobody there. Empty. The day of Pentecost. You know why? The devil's done a good job in removing the Holy Spirit from the church. But in the last days, the eyes of those who are looking for the wisdom of God. Stand with me all over the building if you would. We're going to pray in just a moment. But I want you to understand that the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost is an appointed time in which God releases on you. You know, I don't know about you, but when I got married, I didn't know how to be a good father, a good husband. I'm now the most perfect husband. Tiz is crying right now. I didn't have a good example of what a dad was or what a husband was, but I had to learn it in the Word of God. But it's the same thing in when I got, when I got, I have two college degrees. Excuse me, I lacked three hours, I think, for my second university degree. But when I got saved, they put me in the 15 and under Sunday school class because I'd done drugs so heavy for so long that I, could, I couldn't talk. I, I, I couldn't communicate with people. But as I began to learn the word of God and obey the word of God, he takes us from this level to this level to that level. This is what's called counting the Omer from Passover to Pentecost. Pentecost is in three weeks. Why does God give us 50 days? Because on Pentecost, he's going to open the windows of heaven. And so he's letting us know this is how much God loves you. He's letting you know between now and then, do something good for somebody. Doing an act of kindness, giving to charity, feeding the widows and orphans, whatever. In, in Hebrew, it's called the cosmic act because you're changing their world. Somebody in our kids in Africa, 50,000 meals a month. They're not getting steak and potatoes. They're getting a substance. But because we started feeding 20,000, then we went to 30,000, then we went to 40,000, it was able where these parents didn't have to choose which one of their kids ate that day. Don't you know that God honors that in you? We started that orphanage in Haiti how many years ago? 10, 12 years ago? You know what? Those selfish orphans, they want to eat every day. What the heck? It's not something you just do once. But, you know, and I can think about when you and I started standing with Israel and we, we scraped together $10,000 and gave it to B'nai Zion Hospital right here in Dallas at a banquet. $10,000, and boy, it was like, come on, Jesus. That's probably not the best illustration in church, is it? I'm from the streets, what am I gonna tell you? 
Last year, you gave almost two and a half million dollars. But that first, that first 10,000 was a step of faith, right? It was a step of faith that God would be no man's debtor. Let me, let me, let me read this and we're going to close. Jesus says, and remember, Jesus is a Jew. He's a rabbi. And he's speaking to Jews who understand things that you and I are starting to understand. Listen to what he says. He says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will I put into your lap. For with the same measure, everybody say measure, the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The counting the Omar is 50 measures. It's 50 measures. And so every day when you say, Today is the 32nd day of counting the Omar. You're looking at yourself saying, man, I've got only a few days left. I need to do something good for somebody. I'm not taking an offering, so breathe. I need to bless somebody. I need to, I need to bless, I need to, I need to, pastor, here's for the, the widows, here's for the, the orphans, here's for, uh, you know, the, the Holocaust uh, survivors. Here. Can I tell you a story real quick? <laughs> I keep saying I'm gonna close. You know what it means when a pastor looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> With the same measure that you be a blessing, right? Who said that? Jesus. With the same measure you meant. You know, one of the things that we do, and you'll, some of you will be with us in Israel, you'll see the, some of the Holocaust people that we feed. They, they, they're, they're guaranteed to eat because of you. Holocaust survivors. Okay. Last week, Luke and Jen and Lion make a wish, took them to Disney World, and they stayed in a like a home. How many people, how many stars were there? They they take they give you a star and you go into this place and you put a star in there with your name saying that you were there. There's 180 188,000 families that this man who was a Holocaust survivor brought in so that kids could have a childhood. Now here we are feeding Holocaust survivors and here is a Holocaust survivor who came out of Nazi Germany with nothing and built this whole resort to be a blessing to children. It all is the circle of God's blessing. Amen. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that amazing? We've got a picture. We should show it. We got a picture they sent of lion with the little mice and stuff under a menorah with the lights of God shining. And like Luke said in the back in the office with the guys, he said, you couldn't build that for kids if you were poor. So he went from the Nazis stealing everything. God spoke to me last night. And the devil tried to steal a lot of our finances during the time of the pandemic. Everything the devil has stolen from you, whether it's pandemic or whenever, everything the enemy has stolen, when you discover who the thief is, and the thief is not God trying to teach you a lesson. The thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything the devil has stolen from you, I'm telling you this, God will bring it back and make the devil pay it back multiplied by seven. Amen.
My time's up. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed. Christians are praying right now. You're here right now and you say, Pastor Larry, I've never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior before. Or you're backslid. You're away from God. Right in your seat, right where you're at. Say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? Lift your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I need my heart right with God. And keep it there this whole time, please. God sees that hand, 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 that hand. I love it with that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. I love it when a whole family's raised their hand. God sees that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. Anybody else? That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? That hand, God bless you. Amen. Give these people, precious people, a clap offering. Take your neighbor's hand. Next week, next week, Tiz is going to teach on Mother's Day. For those of you that don't know, watching, we have so many people around the world watching. Five years ago, they gave Tiz three months to live. She is alive because our God is Almighty God. Amen. So don't miss this day. The following week is Tro- Pastor Troy. Pastor Troy, come up here where they can see you real Just come up. See this man here? If you want to know what's going on in the political world, if I didn't know he was true, he, and he's telling us all these things. When I first met him, he's telling us things I'm going. This guy is the smartest guy I have met when it comes to biblical politics. This guy is the smartest guy. So the next week, Pastor Troy and John are going to do a roundtable together. The following week, we come back and we do First Fruits, where God opens the windows of heaven. How many want financial blessing? How many want financial blessing? Amen. God has enough to go around. And then the following week, I'm going to teach on how do we answer what's being taught in our country from the White House to the schoolhouse. How do we answer that? Let's lift our hands together. I want you to say this out loud, all of us. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home, my family, my finances, and my future. I declare in Jesus' name, every curse is reversed and every blessing is received not someday but today in jesus name amen and amen now don't clap yet don't clap yet say this out loud father i know by your word you anoint us you give us power in our hands to gain wealth i receive that anointing i break the spirit of limitations off my mind and I receive that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the God of not just enough, but more than enough. In Jesus' name, somebody's going to get blessed. It might as well be me. Baptismal, out in the lobby, 
One of the most important things is baptism. We would do a whole church baptism come Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. But if you've recently got your, your got saved or rededicated your life to the Lord, I'm going to meet with Pastor in the in the lobby. We're not going to baptize you, but we're going to baptize your hands. It's symbolic. What does baptism do? It breaks the curse of limits and failure off of your life. So if you want to join us in that, meet us out in the lobby. God bless you. Pray for us as we go to Israel. Give the Lord a clap offering. The best is yet to come. Amen.